0: back to another
1: edition of Bad podcast. We are blessed to be joined by a badass female. <laughs> I had to wear my Guns and Roses t-shirt today. Oh nice. I feel like I got my WNBA jam. WNBA Sloot, jam. Salute and Candace. Oh, that is fantastic. It's so funny how Candace Parker has been in the league for so long. Some of these women and I mm-hmm. really love the emergence just the more attention and the support from the nba because uh, the women's game has evolved so quickly Tons. can you just speak to that i you know and well, you how, just how-
0: mentioned some of the ones that have been in the league for so long I, I was just at the wnba all-star game here in chicago last weekend and i was cracking up because my friend and i were talking about if someone would get the opportunity to dunk in the game and we were hoping so so then sylvia Fowles gets this breakaway yeah. opportunity throws it down and you know she's literally retiring she's like listen I'm old this is it for me and after the game Holly Rose like when was the last time you dunked and she goes 2008 <gasps> 2008 I'm like literally the spirit of the all-star game like lifted her legs off the ground and allowed her um but yeah I mean they're like Sue Bird Sylvia Fowles Candace, some of these players that have been in it forever and then you love that there's these young up and comers that are sort of taking the mantle and are already super Asia, Wilson, Sabrina, you know, these young players that you're like, you know, John Quell, that you're like, okay, we're, we're in good hands.
1: Well, don't discredit anything with Diana Taurasi was like my hero. Yes. 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 Well, currently causing headlines,
0: you know, kicking Sylvia Fowles uh, and some of the drama on that Mercury team. But Diana is still one of the goats for sure.
1: Who's who declared a, um, like a trade there's like so someone someone was like tina charles was, tina charles was like yeah cool i'm
0: out i'm gonna <laughs> leave the mercury like a little less than halfway into the season and i'm gonna go to the storm giving them yet another superstar player so uh
1: yeah. well let's kind of like i mean because i i what i really love about you and i've admired about you but i, I can't i can remember sarah you I I remember these like old, old man on the street videos of you (laughs) drinking beer at um, Wrigley Fields. And this must be, listen, I I mean, I'm not saying we're the same age, but I graduated college in 2009. So, I mean, this was probably like the early, like early 2000s. And you just have this larger than life personality. <laughs> you really stepped into that. Like I am a woman and I love sports and I'm respected for sports. And you are such an advocate for women uh, just uh, in other aspects of everything that is relaying to women in sports, the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, abortion rights. Uh, you know, I know that you work for ESPN. That's got to be a, like kind of a tricky, um, you know, line to tiptoe around but I, uh, you know you you still maintain like listen I am a woman and my voice will be heard
0: thank you yeah I was thinking about this the other day I was talking about something relating to LGBTQ plus rights and someone on social media was like are you a sports reporter or an activist and I was like both. actually both yeah I was like actually I wouldn't want to but I certainly couldn't deny my sort of activist spirit and Over the last few years, I would say for a very specific four years recently, it was difficult to find that balance because I don't think you can have a voice and an influence and not want to use it in the most critical times. That's how I feel right now about Roe v. Wade. That's how I feel about this pivot point for women's sports. That's such an incredible opportunity and the data points to as an incredible financial opportunity. it wouldn't feel worthwhile to spend so much of my time talking about sports if I wasn't talking about the intersection with social issues and major opportunities for change as well. Um, I love sports. I'm a massive sports fan. To your point, like I started out just doing the like man on the street interviews and like hustling to get whatever I could, um, and I still love sports and spend my off days and free time going to games when I when I'm not working. But that's not enough for me in terms of my my work and how I'm going to spend so much of my time. I need to feel like I'm pursuing something bigger and more important. And that includes changing the industry and the space for women that come after me, talking about those intersections of sport and social issues, talking about male female interactions that often are handled terribly and without any education, domestic violence, rape, sexual assault, stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And and. uh, and so I know that some people don't like it. I know I could be probably richer and more famous and more powerful if I was just that girl everyone wants to grab a beer with and talk NBA, but that's not really satisfying to me.
1: Is there anyone you can pinpoint as like someone who came up to you and was like either a coworker or, you know, in the, within the halls of... I feel like Around the Horn is the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the marriage between the panelists yeah. and Tony Reale, who is so, he just is so surging and so outspoken um, when you finally win that um, stage yes. show and then you get your 30 seconds yeah. to say whatever you want. Is, is there anyone specifically that has come up to you, um, co-workers-wise, and been like, you've really inspired me to, um, to do this, to join this group, to read this book? Um, I would say... Um- Certainly,
0: there have been some. The one that stands out to me lately because I have so much respect for her and what she does, um, and she said it on stage at the W Summit, and she messaged me the other day when I was praising her for something that she put out there, is Elle Duncan. I think she has such a powerful way of combining her natural charisma and intelligence and knowledge and sense of humor and singing voice, like all these talents, with directing it towards the things that matter and when she does, just nailing it. Yeah, she just posted a video asking like where are all those girl dads that came out when i first made that video where are they now when your daughter's like body wow. bodily autonomy is at risk where are you now when you're when you're being asked to stand up for for women beyond just like oh look at me i play catch in the backyard with my daughter so i'm such a great dad like the bar was low are you stepping up when things are more difficult and so i respect her a ton and she she kind of encourages me because she, her way of saying it is that I always have time. She's (laughs) like, some people are like, I don't want to deal with the trolls today. I don't want to deal with this today. Sarah will always have time for issues of, you know, racial misogyny, et cetera. Anything that has to do with equality and rights and things being fair, I will always have time. So, um, there's a, there's a fair amount. And I really appreciate that. Like more so then people who are like i love watching you on around the horn or this was a cool thing you did people who say they listen to my podcast because i think it's a very different space and people who say that they appreciate that i stand up for things those are the ones where i'm like okay i'm doing something right
1: well i i certainly hope that the listeners of the bad signal podcast sarah spain mm-hmm. espn um you know i mean we can i can't wait to just dive into all the other things but is there any specific organization that if someone wants to um, hear this and are, are they're inspired by your words, is there like an organization? That someone people can make a donation to. Um, There's a couple.
0: Um, it depends on it depends on the cause they're most inspired by. But um, March 4th is one that currently my friends are working with. Um, relating to gun violence because of the incident in Highland Park, which is right next to where I grew up on July 4th. And then yeah. I always think yeah. of uh, Planned Parenthood as a great place to go um, as a resource for people beyond, beyond abortions, beyond those things, uh, contraception and family planning and all the other things that are necessary. Um, Planned Parenthood has, has been there and will continue to be there. So that's always a good one.
1: Well, that's that's very powerful, and so um, let's just get to some of like the some of the funner stuff. Well, right. I first of all, you just seem like someone who would be a great boss, you know, <laughs> like like Sarah's being great colleague, great on television, very charismatic, super tall, athletic, but great boss. And you're a co-owner of the Chicago
0: Red Stars, yeah, Red
1: Stars, yeah, I, I do, yeah, the Chicago. So how did you get into that? And and like, are you like are you the are you the cool co-owner that? Like, <laughs> calls a meeting with beers and the yeah uh, i try
0: i try a lot of tailgates last year to introduce myself to the crew um i basically just liked the team i was never a huge soccer person growing up i i played a little in junior high but that was never one of my sports and as much as i liked it i was not and i still am not someone who follows like premier league and wakes up on you know the weekend earlies Mm -hmm. to watch like those european leagues but my gateway drug was the u.s women's national team i mean just Abby Wambach and Mia Hamm and all those like were the little hit. And then more recently in the last decade, plus it's been like just an obsession with all of those players and those women. And I describe them as not just inspirational, but instructional. I think there's a lot of people that you inspire. They inspire you. You aspire to be them, but people like Megan Rapino and some of the women fighting for equal pay and showing up the way that they have on that team. I literally am like, okay, I'm learning from you how to ask for and demand what I deserve, how to move in spaces and not care about being the most likable, care about being the one that creates change. And so that was sort of like the gateway drug to soccer. And that got me into NWSL, thinking about the fact that these women, some of them are on the teams in your backyard. And you could just go, I could just go in Chicago and watch Alyssa Nair and Tierna Davidson and Julie Ertz and Mallory Pugh and all these people the last couple yeah, years. Yeah. And so, um, started going to games, loved them, and was like, more people need to know about this. There's so many teams in Chicago. How do you break through the clutter? So I was like, I'm going to just throw a tailgate. People get their own tickets, but I'll bring the beer. I'll bring the pizza. If you come to this area before this game, let's like all party and introduce people to the team. And so the majority owner came to the tailgate and was. we were talking for a while. I saw him again when I wrote a story about the World Cup bump that NWSL teams get after the World Cup where fans want to come see them. And so, just got to know each other a little. So, after Angel City with all the celebrity owners, that expansion team came out. Um, a lot of other teams in the league looked around and thought about getting, um, uh, doing, you know, financial raises and expanding ownership in order to get uh, uh, capital. And so, he reached out to me amongst many other people and offered up the potential to join. And I was like, so great. How could I even like imagine a world where I could be part owner of a team? So, there's, um, 30 30 or so of us so uh there's a handful he's obviously still majority and then there's uh different levels based on like equity but um we all have a voice i'm on the uh, advisory board so certainly making my voice heard and known on various things but yeah when i first started it was like i'm the one who's throwing the tailgates bringing the malort you know getting people to party and like trying to think of all the things that we associate with the sports that we're used to going to Cubs, yeah. Bears, Bulls—these things that we've had the nostalgia of going with grandparents or growing up with—and get that to a more nascent league that people maybe aren't as familiar with. Bring all those traditions and and create some new ones.
1: Well, it's fantastic okay. because like if you're talking about uh, soccer, I was a soccer player growing up. I'm clearly not as uh, as seasoned as Diana Rossini because Diana Rossini is who you got to lay your dog in. My dog is so spoiled. Ever since COVID, he like does not take
0: no for an answer oh, when I make him stay outside the room. So. <laughs> oh, we'll say we got to bring the dog on the pod. I know, Fletch.
1: Hello, there he is. Oh, hello. Okay, what's his name?
0: His name is Fletch. Fletch. Oh. He is one of three, and he is extremely spoiled. He's the yeah. most spoiled of the bunch.
1: He's just, he has those eyes. He's like, <laughs> mommy, I missed you. Oh. <laughs>
0: all right buddy get it together
1: keep it oh quiet my God. i love a i love a good dog moment yeah it's good it
0: happens a lot now after COVID. i feel
1: like there's no boundaries <laughs> i love it uh well i was a soccer player growing up i i did play club in college i played club lacrosse as nice. well i went to university of maryland so it was a awesome division oh, one that's, yeah and great for those sports so great great for those sports we actually played used to play the navy lacrosse women's lacrosse team before they went to Division one so but they were just a club team and then they they were instituted as an actual club, an actual, um, sport in the Naval Academy. So, you know, I mean, the competition was great. I I wasn't good enough to play division Mm -hmm. one. Diana Rossini was on the, she was on the Olympic development team. Like I didn't realize like she was that good. Oh yeah. I would not want to
0: face up against Diana uh, Rossini in any sport because the two of us are both such little competitive jackasses that like their (laughs) blood would be shed. For sure,
1: you can add me into the mix right there. I get real heated. I grew up with two older brothers, so I go, but you know, listen like tailgates, you got to get the come on, you we got to like get you into like the soccer mom mode, even though you're oh, yeah. Well, Jennifer Garner is one of the owners of Angel City,
0: and at their game this past weekend, she actually brought orange slices.
1: Orange slices,
0: I'm obsessed with. I was like, (laughs) this is like, like global superstar Jennifer Garner is out on the field with orange slices, like the cutest.
1: There is nothing more nostalgic than the way that you eat the orange slice. There's a couple, there's two ways you eat the orange slice after the game. You either rip the whole orange right. out, leave the peel, or you suck on it like a like a mouth guard.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was a ripper.
1: You're the ripper. Yeah. I, I kind of I feel like I was I acquiesced between like the two of those. Yeah, so. yeah. that is so fun. Gabrielle Union is also um, and little yeah. caveat, Union Wade is um, is a co-owner of there. She's very supportive. I see it on her Instagram. So cute. So great. Uh, I I mean, we can get to the football stuff in a second, but I wanted to get to, um, there's just been a lot of Michael Jordan slander recently. John Morant. Listen, no one got more confidence than 12, but I got to think like John Morant, he's got to chill. And I even was seeing a lot of the basketball players were saying like, they're worried about that young Grizzlies team because they're just out of control like they got lots of money they're just partying and putting on social media and this yeah but I mean like when you say that you would cook Michael Jordan (laughs) get a bucket against him yeah cook him
0: yeah I still can't tell which of that John Morant quote was real and which was from that ball sack sports that keeps catching everybody where they don't know whether it's real or not I'm like guys it's called ball sack sports (laughs) that's that should be the first giveaway. And then after that, I think it even says satire on the account, but no one bothers to click through. So I'm not sure which of it was real and which of it was fake, but I do know it in some capacity. He essentially said that Michael wouldn't, wouldn't be much today. He
1: said it was an interview with Taylor Rooks. Yeah. And Taylor, she kind of was, she said it more or less in passing. And she said, Jordan jokingly. And then he laughed and she said, Oh, like you would say I would cook them. He goes, yeah. yeah. I would cook him." Yeah. I, no
0: no we're not doing
1: that Can can so here's the thing here's my issue i'm a
0: massive jordan fan i will defend his honor at all times i will never back down but i'm just tired of these conversations because they ignore the obvious which is the context in which you're doing these this debating which is different generations different rules different shoes different weights different like literally if you put michael jordan now you think he wouldn't be even bigger stronger faster or smarter yeah. you think he wouldn't i mean i think a lot of it is people who and i don't know about Jaw. i would like to think that Jaw's done his research and watched enough of this but i think there's people who have not watched nearly enough jordan tape no. and they forget like what kind of guy he was they forget yeah. and a killer a killer like that's One of the things that I would be interested in, which of the young players brought the same intensity to a fault sometimes. I mean, we all saw the last dance, like MJ was a lunatic, Mm
1: -hmm. but that
0: was going to allow him to win. And he did every time. So you want to show up with the, with the slander, you better be able to bring the receipts that you have, like, not just the skill and again, go watch the tape, but also the work ethic and the drive and the want to be as great as he was I think a lot of people underestimate that part of it
1: well well, you even saw Scottie Pippen on summer league they asked him in an interview I mean Scottie Pippen definitely definitely not a fan of Michael Jordan not right now no not right now They Uh, they used to be yeah he they asked him they said do you think that the athletes these days are better Um, or, and he said, it's, it's a whole nother level. And I've talked about this so many times and I need to figure out kind of like a thesaurus synonym for the evolution of the athlete Yeah. people. We grow bigger, faster, and stronger. They they're teaching us about plyometrics, pliability, um,
0: like think about how much money LeBron says he spends every year on his body that just didn't exist. Or even like, I was just, like I said, I was at the WNBA all-star game. I used to be tall. I used to be a center in high school and a power forward in AAU Nationals. And there were women that were taller than me, but it was not like this. I was just at a weekend where entire high school teams minus one player were four inches taller than me. Wow! I was at like an event. It was all, it was, you know, Chance the Rapper and Lotto and all the front was the young Nike Tournament of Champions gals that were there for the tournament. So they're all high schoolers. They're all taller than me. Every single one. Like, it's just different. Look at the seven footers in the league. Now they are not plotting stand in the middle of the lane. Big men, they're shooting threes. They're running the point. So like want to have that conversation. You have to suspend disbelief in such a way as to have it's fantasy. It just seems like a waste of time to me.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, listen, like I, there's what happened to the Chicago bulls last year. It was like, they had so much promise. But you know what? Yeah, it's Caruso got knocked down. That dirty play broke his wrist. Lonzo got really hurt. But it was like they were on fire. This is what we talked about from the beginning. And I think a lot of people, and I don't
0: blame people nationally because you've got all these other teams to watch and pay attention to. But from the beginning, the question about this team, as they were creating in the offseason, was defense, interior defense. Vooch is not the guy that you're going to have that's going to be a good rim protector and defend against bigs, especially guys like Giannis and others. And when lonzo and caruso were healthy and on the perimeter they could disrupt enough to prevent other teams from getting into a half court set they could Mm -hmm. press all the way up to half forcing turnovers getting transition buckets making it less problematic that they didn't have a good solid big interior presence you lose those two guys your entire defensive sets change you no longer able to pressure teams at near half you're no longer able to be aggressive up on the perimeter And that means that a lot of teams are able to set up and dump it in and take advantage. And it just completely changed the season, you know, and then you look at Levine getting hurt when he came back, he wasn't really himself. He wasn't a hundred percent. So it was injury. Now I don't know that that team could have competed with the Celtics and, and the bucks and, and, and the the warriors, ultimately the heat, but they would have been in the mix. They would have been in the mix. And what we're seeing across the league, thankfully is less of a, Get three superstars and don't worry about how you're fleshing out the roster and more of a depth across the, the roster. And that's what the Bulls had was, you know, one to seven or eight, the ability to really push other teams. And fingers crossed for health this year. Lonzo's injury has been weird and had a lot more twists and turns and complications. And I really hope he's back because um, altogether when
1: they had them, it was really fun absolutely where would you like to see kevin durant land i just think the asking price for him is way too high it's at this huge point. i don't think it's too high i think it's accurate it's just almost impossible to match impossible a
0: superstar plus four years right this isn't even one of those situations where a team knows they're going to lose somebody and at the end of that season so we'll just trade him instead of losing him for nothing that's one year this is kevin durant you know, partly some would argue still in his prime. He'll be 37 by the end of this deal Um, and four years. Uh, So um, I think it's going to have to be some sort of three-team deal. I don't think there's one team that's got the right pieces for the Nets and is somewhere that he would want to play. I don't want him to go to the Warriors. I don't want him to go to the Heat. The The one place – Yeah, the Suns I'm okay with, but – Chris Paul's window is closing. If Aiton goes in order to get him, yep. then it's really about Booker and Katie, which is really cool and very exciting. Um, the other one I would think would be really interesting would be the Pelicans. The Pelicans, mm-hmm. because okay. they I don't think they're interested in getting rid of Brandon Ingram. I think the youth that they have between Ingram and Zion, plus the veteran presence of CJ allows them mm-hmm. to build young and have a long runway of success whereas if they swap out ingram for kd then they're in a win now situation and with zion and his health it's tougher to say whether he's going to be quite ready to hit the ground running when the season starts but that would be an interesting one and i think um the pelicans you know after losing anthony davis after you know zion starting off slow they deserve a little little fun the other one i would love is the trailblazers. It's not gonna happen. I, I said this, I said this on my They lap. don't have any pieces. They have nothing to just, give up. But Dame I just fan. am such a Dame fan. I'm such a I Dame fan. I would love to see Dame and KD out there, inside, outside, stretching the floor, all like positionless basketball vibes. Like I just think it would be hella fun.
1: I I agree. I think it would be hella fun. That's like a very Northern California yes. thing to say. Yes. Very appropriate. Yeah. I I ugh, man, yeah. I just I'm such a fan of Dame Lillard. But it would have to take possibly like a you know like an apology on Dame's perspective because he kind of just came out and said like yo, you got to go focus on more about the name on the front of the jersey and in the back. And y'all are even like, yo, you going out to like all these different teams to switch it. You better be like, uh, sorry. First so of all, that's
0: a terrible Dame impression. <laughs> uh, not good at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I agree, but I think Dame is walking the walk and always has. He has said from the beginning, I want to stay in Portland. I want to win here. I want to parade down the middle of, you know, Main Street, Portland. I don't want to go elsewhere to get it. It didn't work with Siege. They gave it a really good stretch, and now you you see what's next. I don't know if that deal they just gave him is the right move in order to be able to still fill in around him to create a a winner, but I at least think that unlike some other guys who talk a lot of smack and then end up following the same path, he has been dedicated to like, I want to win here, and this is my team, which is cool.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, yes, that Dame uh, impression was terrible. <laughs> he, he would be very embarrassed if he had seen that. Yes, However, yes, yes. Um, I, I think that, yes, I think it would be a tremendous opportunity for him. I, before this deal, I think he should have left Portland, but now it's like, he's got to play there for the rest of his career and I'm totally fine with that. And I, I, I agree with you. I think that that would be a, a perfect piece um to add Kevin Durant to that picture. Personally, for me, I you know with the with the full court press at the Heat are going after. I listened to Pat Riley's press conference after the season, and he was saying, "Listen, like all opportunities, we are going to give our full all." And I think that that yeah. is, uh, you know, a, a persistent. Following. I'm just not sure how
0: realistic it is, though. It's
1: not realistic. I you know it's what I mean. Realistic. Like, first of all,
0: you've got the issues where Simmons can't play on the same contract as a bunch of the guys that teams are being floated as potentially wanting to do the swap with, including the Heat. You've got the pieces that you're. That's the problem is Katie wants to go somewhere and win now. So you have to have a team that can give up a piece and still win, but have a big enough piece to give up that the nets feel like they got enough back. And there's very few situations like that.
1: Yeah, and um, I just know that Kevin Durant has, uh, like, outwardly spoken and said that he wants to play with Bam Adebayo. He played on the Olympic team with, right. as well, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. So that's just not possible. Not possible. So give me Donovan Mitchell and well, I'll do that all day. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, too, by, like – so
0: Kendra Perkins has, like, a theory that I was, like, rolling my eyes at. And yeah. Wendy and I still don't, don't believe it, but the idea that KD – asked for a trade in order to force the hand of the nets to give Kyrie the long-term deal that he wanted. I don't believe that Kevin would first of all, be willing to tie the last four good years of at, at at his age to Kyrie as inconsistent as he's been. Katie just wants to hoop as much as they have a friendship. I just think he's worried about Kyrie showing up. And secondly, that he would be willing to put a reputation that's already been criticized for being a cupcake and for ring chasing and all that on the line again, By having all this trade talk and not meaning it, intending instead for them to be forced to give Kyrie a long-term deal, both of them. That's what Perk said, that that KD doesn't actually want to leave. They're both going to end up with the Nets. He's just trying to get them to offer Kyrie what he wanted. But the thing I do maybe buy a little bit is this reporting now that KD was mad at that moment, frustrated at that moment, asked out, and now is looking around the landscape and isn't finding what he wants. And could a deal for Kyrie bring back some pieces? Now, the only problem is the Lakers are the only team that seems interested in Kyrie. And KD is not about to be like, yeah, Westbrook, let's ride, right? So, like, I think the problem is this is a very bad year for any free agents. There's, like, four teams with enough cap space. Next year, the way a lot of contracts have been written, it's going to be, like, 20 or something absurd like that. Like, oh. this is not the best time for this move. And maybe KD looking around and seeing that and deciding to wait on this. And that he might actually end up sticking with the Nets, which would be wild.
1: I think I, I have a feeling that he's not, they're not going to find a trade partner. I agree with you. I think that he's going to stay. That's my thing. Whether Kyrie moves or not, just listen. I, I don't care. Yeah. I go to say that. It's hard
0: to see Kyrie sticking around after Joe size, sort of like paternalistic, but ultimately accurate statements about what kind of player they want and all that. But yeah. um, Kyrie is, has made his bed and he uh, will line sorry, it. And it will be sorry. a very nice, rich bed in L.A., on a team full of
1: misfit toys that we call the Lakers (sighs) Oh, grandma's dress up trunk. I always used to love to play with that, you know, just random pieces that you throw in. Although to be fair, if
0: they all stay healthy and you had LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie, that's a pretty solid three to start with. It's
1: just a matter of health and what kind of team you put around them. Um, Mitchell Mitch Schwartz four-time all-pro has announced that he is officially retiring. He had a back mm. issue. Yeah offensive, tackle. Say, yeah. offensive tackle. Good uh, yeah. Good, Good. Um, this is why you got an Apple watch, you know, you gotta, yeah, have the Adam right. Sheffer, you gotta have the Adam Shepard. <laughs> there you go. Right Breaking away. That's the perfect transition because you are going to help me break down the NFC North. We oh, did a breakdown with Brian on yeah. the AFC East. Um, Let's just get right to it. NFC North, one of the most prestigious, illustrious divisions in all of football. And it's one of those that, you know, you kind of like, you're thinking, "Well, oh, who's the fourth team? No, it's it's Bears, Vikings, Packers, Lions. That's right. Not, you know, it's the great North. Um, yeah. The Bears, can Justin Fields have a resurgent second year under Matt Eberflus? They've got... Whole new pieces, new offensive coordinator in Luke Getze. You've got a new GM. Yep. Just added Nikhil Harry yesterday. Can't make any guarantees. Mm-hmm. Came from the Patriots, and mm-hmm. I watched him um, over many years. They got him for a seventh round draft pick. Bill Belichick just collecting those picks. Um, they did lose Allen Robinson. The Bears lost Khalil Mack. But let's just focus on the offense there. Um, what What does the landscape look like for a quarterback? mobile quarterback who has a huge and high upside in Justin Fields. What are your thoughts?
0: I'm very concerned about them not addressing his needs. I understand that this is a team that does not intend to win this year. I understand that this is a team that's looking around at their roster and looking around at their competition and saying, we don't have enough. Eberflus and company and Ryan Poles are willing to slow play this to hit hard next year and the year after. I'm okay with that, but not if you're going to set back your young quarterback by not giving him the offensive line and the weapons that he needs. And that's my biggest concern is if you're going to spend it all, if you're going to invest it all, invest in the spaces that allow you to see what you have. I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I think he has a huge upside. What I saw from the moments when his first option was open was incredible accuracy, a beautiful ball. And a willingness to run when needed, use his legs when needed, sit in the pocket when needed. Unfortunately, a lot of his issues were predictable. He had no offensive line protection. The play calling was shit. And he was constantly having to get rid of the ball um, either quickly by going first option, even when it wasn't wide open or holding the ball too long, taking sacks and fumbling because there was no protection and he couldn't let the play run out. So I want to know what kind of quarterback he can be when he has time to read a defense and look for second, third options, when he has time to make the right play. And when he has a play caller who's going to put him in the right position, I'm very optimistic for him. I don't know if it will be here though. Cause my concern is that he's not Iberflus and polls guy. They didn't draft him. They weren't part of the team when he was drafted and that there's a very quarterback heavy draft next year. And if things don't go well, they could pull the rip cord and give up on him and decide they want to start again. And I don't think that's the right move. Now I have to wait and see with, with him. And maybe I'm getting too high on him because I just want the bears to finally have found their guy. Um, But I'm just worried that they won't have put themselves in a position to really get a feel for what they have.
1: Well, Mike Silver, who is now with the volume sports and Colin Coward's um, podcast network. He was doing some stuff with Bally's, Of course, my former colleague at NFL network, he had um, a suspicion and, a uh, kind of a tip that Justin Fields could be on the move to Seattle, kind of um, moving in line with the, your face. Like Wait, so hour. like think, now or next year? No, yeah, no. I mean like that, that Justin Fields could be moved this When? Year. This, what?
0: Hell no. Yeah. Absolutely not. I don't see it. I mean, you would need to, here's the thing. When they brought in and polls, one of the things that frustrated local media was, were adamant and effusive enough that Justin Fields was their guy. So maybe in a nightmare scenario, yeah. they decide we don't see what we want from him and we'll sell him off for pieces and build. But God, that would be horrific. That would talk about a way to lose an entire fan base before you've done anything is send away a draft pick that you traded up to get. That looks like he could have a massive upside, and then watch him succeed somewhere else. That would be tragic. I. That's I, I'm. Don't kill the messenger. I'm that's going just, to, and just... I'm going to kill Mike too. I'm going to text him. and <laughs> <like>, way. <"What> the <laughs> hell, dude. <That'll laughs> I, be ruining I, my day. Uh, like I already am sad enough that the Bears are going to suck. At oh, least I know. Well, just suck while Justin Fields is like making progress, not with Justin Fields playing for Mina Kimes team. Come on, oh, man. God, he has got to suck it up and deal with bad quarterback
1: play. She got it. Yeah. She got it good for a while. She's now, because she's not she's back on the mariner's train. I see that's that. That's right. Yeah. I'm hoping to get Mina on the show uh to, to peer preview some NFC West, but I mean look, go. we're the dog days of summer. I appreciate yeah. your time. The Vikings. Listen, I love Kevin O'Connell. Not only is he adding to the list of the former Patriots quarterbacks that were drafted that are now head mm-hmm. coaches in the NFL, including Cliff Kingsbury. but I don't know how long Cliff Kleinsbury is yeah, gonna that's have right. a job. Kevin O'Connell and I had a uh college football package and uh he was the color commentator i was a silent reporter that's awesome for CBS sports network on army football so i spent a lot of time with koc i watched him he said listen like it was the first time and he would he would sit down he would break down film he's like hey listen court like he was explaining a lot of things to me i think he's hands-on he is young and i think that the upside for the vikings this year can this be the season that they um, uh, you know, throw the Packers off of the throne, or will the Packers sweep the NFC North for the second time in four years? So you can take your poison. Yeah, your- I mean, my money's still, but- my money's still on the Packers. Um, you have a
0: two-time defending MVP and Aaron Rodgers, who now doesn't have any questions about his future there, and for his unique. Yeah. A person as Aaron Rodgers oh, is unique. 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 unique is a good word. Yeah. Um strange. His dedication to football can't be questioned. And I do not see him as a guy who gets that big deal, secures his future, and then takes a step back in any way. Yeah. Um, I think that's still the cream of the crop. They did lose some staff to, to teams like the Bears. They did lose his number one target and his favorite guy to throw to, and that's always an issue but we've seen him succeed without super talent. We've seen him make weapons out of guys that anywhere else would be kind of chop liver. So I um, I I'm not I've made a couple of rules of my career. Never bet against Aaron Rodgers in especially in the NFC North. Uh, never bet against Tom Brady versus father time. I don't think father time has decided to dedicate any time or energy to Brady. And uh, for a while there, it was uh, never count out LeBron James, regardless of his, of his teammates. Although now at this point, I'm, I'm okay with doing that after last year, but um, yeah, I'm not going to pick against Aaron Rodgers and company. Now the Vikings, to your point, have the opportunity for a big upside. Yeah, My concern is that for as much as Kirk Cousins numbers spell out a better than average quarterback, the results for his team tend to be average. He yeah. doesn't perform well in primetime. He doesn't elevate the team in ways that I think translate to victories and success beyond just, he's fine. He gets paid more than someone who's fine. And so the expectations are higher. He has managed to work his contract to his benefit and, um,
1: and there are some pieces on that Vikings team that you're excited about, but
0: yeah, I, I still think it's the Packers division.
1: Yeah. I I listen, when they when um, Aaron Rodgers was jumping on and jumping off the train, I think it was this time last year, closer to the end of July when yeah. we had that whole drama and they were pulling the odds off the board in Vegas, and yeah. oh the Packers. And I was just saying, listen, like Dalvin Cook MVP type season. Uh, The Vikings were sitting pretty at plus 220 to win that game. Uh, they just continue to and i under I, I completely agree with you on the consistency of kirk cousins it's a whether or not it's it's like hey like in crunch time um decision making skills in the final two minutes of games always bet the over on a vikings game
0: right 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 no they're gonna blow that shit yeah, um at yeah. the end
1: of the game vikings but, and you know, like
0: uh seahawks like never have a normal game oh you just God. can't ever a it's got to come down to a missed field goal or some like missed coverage in the last like minute of
1: the game or like throwing a little I'd be curious to see if if um if Russell Wilson brings that like last second match or if it was just like it was just a jinx up there right um, in Seattle but you know they added to Zedari, they had a lot of good pieces the Vikings did Zedaria Smith excellent edge rusher great price for the market um and he's also a vocal leader in the locker room too so i you know it's harrison smith is it's in his 10th season um i I just think that the defense there is solid i'm not sure if they can you know piece it all together with a a rookie head coach but um yeah i I I mean the, the head coach is such a wild card you either put together
0: all of the things that weren't being done right and it comes together and you're like, aha, here's, here's mm-hmm. all the talent that we thought was there that wasn't being used right. Or it's tons of growing pains with a new system and adjustments. And, you know, that that was one of those teams. A lot of times the head coaches are coming into really trash teams, right? Yeah. You're, you're turning things over because things have been so bad. Vikings haven't been super bad. They've been yeah. kind of uh, mediocre for so long that it was time to change the voice. And the question is, um, were they underperforming for what they could do if they just had the right people in place? So we'll yeah. find out.
1: Yep. And they also got a new general manager as well. Um, yeah. Kwame and I can't pronounce his last name, but um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big promise up there. Uh, well, let's get to uh, let's get to the, uh, the lions of Ford Field. You know, those, uh, those soldiers over there, Eden yeah. Ecast and Aiden, Aiden yeah. Hutchinson, they picked up in the draft and then you got Mr. Crazy, Dan Campbell. Um, they're going to be a big wild card for me. Just in terms of what Jared Goff can put together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know that he is capable of airing the ball out, but that is behind the mastermind of Sean McVay. And that's the capabilities that he has to elevate a quarterback to the next level. Um, could they be the team that surprises everyone in the division? Yeah. Um, I heard one of their draft picks too. I, he was like, he's like, oh, everyone talking shit. We the new Lions. And it's just yeah. like Lions fans are like, okay, ah, bro, yeah,
0: you've been the new please Lions. Don't get into that. You've been the new Lions for like decades. <laughs> um I think the best news for the Lions is that the Bears are going to be bad. Yeah. So that they won't be, you know, the bottom of the barrel probably. Uh, My expectations are not crazy high. I still think this team is cursed. I don't believe in curses, but there's something about this team that just can't get it together. And I don't think Goff's the guy. I think to your point, there are players that you see in certain systems and with certain coaches that as soon as you put them somewhere else, you recognize how much that coach or that system was doing yes. for them. Golf is one yeah. of them. You look at Wentz. Wentz is a guy who had MVP type tremendous success under a specific coach with a specific system with a specific offensive line. And he hasn't been able to do it anywhere else. Same with Foles. you know, big Dick yeah. Nick is nothing with these, without his coach and his offensive line and his weapons and his defense and everything else that he had in, in, in Philly. Um, Goff seems like a nice kid and I feel bad for him that he's been the center of so much of this drama, but I don't think that that's the place for him and jury's still out on Dan Campbell. I made fun of him a lot with the biting of the kneecaps and we're going to bring a big, we're going to bring a big, like an actual lion on the field to take a dump in the end zone and the absurdities. I'm like, that's not a coach of 2022. Right. I will say kevin o'connor or was it kevin clark kevin kevin clark is that kevin, yeah, kevin clark came on our show and he did a really great long form profile on him yeah. and made me be a little bit more open to the nuance of who he is his guys will play for him his guys will play hard and if you saw last year the lions were not good but the lions were in games the lions were playing hard the lions were buying what he was selling yeah so i'll I'll, I'll, I'll be more open to some of the histrionics being a bit and being fun and being a little silly for him, but him showing up and getting the most out of his guys. But this year has to actually translate into wins. It can't be moral victories. It can't be. They played hard and still lost. It has to be. Did you actually win games? Because I mean, this I, I they're in my division they're the team that the bears get to feast on. And I still am empathetic and wanting them to succeed because that's how bad I feel for their fan base. And for the very nice people that work there, I went and did an event and speech for them for their charity arm. And everyone was so nice and everybody was there and it was such a family atmosphere. And I was like, gosh, so sad that they're so futile.
1: Yeah. I, and they've done a lot to downtown Detroit. It's such a, so really like, I'm not saying, I mean, I I went there a couple of years ago to go to a Lions game, but it was like, the city is just really, it's really clean. It's to feel like all these new boutiques have all yeah. like invested in the city. It's kind of like up and coming and, For sure. and prosperous and, um, you know, don't forget when you fly into Detroit, uh, you know, you'll go over and then your your phone will buzz and it'll be like, welcome to Canada. And you're yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. Canada is across yeah. the river. That's funny. I, I, when you were saying that's something you want to bring a lion onto, you know, this is Dan Campbell yeah. saying I think that you and I can agree with this. Um, When kind of like the sexual harassment, the Me Too movement came out before, I think that a lot of our perspectives changed about the workplace environment. And Um, I think that we dealt with a lot of shit and, um, a lot of things about like behind closed doors, uh, there's nothing that needs to be discussed publicly on a podcast. I'm not trying to make headlines here, but, um, I think that you and I can both agree that there was a lot of like, just shut up and take it, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, and like, I feel like just listening to someone say, oh, I'm going to have a lie and take a shit in the end zone. It's just like, it's too much boys club. Yeah. Listen, we work in the boys club, but I think that something like that just makes me cringe. And I'm just like, yeah. I wouldn't, for me
0: personally, I don't, yeah, I don't
1: conflate it with me too and
0: sexual harassment although i won't deny that i could see where lines might be drawn between yeah, that I'm sort sorry. of you know, no, I, no 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 I, I i get what you're saying though like there's certainly something to be said for like the old boys club the antiquated idea of toxic masculinity and like rip each other's arms off and that's the key to success while you're looking across the board at like young coaches who are using advanced metrics yeah. and you know like like using the nerds I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd person more than a toxic masculinity old boys club culture. I think Theo Epstein had, has talked about finding that balance of like the eye test, the vibe, the feeling, plus the advanced science and metrics that help you put the numbers to the things you're trying to accomplish. I don't see Dan Campbell and worry about that. Although perhaps I should, because there is probably a hand in head nature to some of that. I more view it as symbolic of the plague of anti-intellectualism, which is a problem across particularly politics, um, but also in sports, the, the pushing back and the rejection of truly diving into the numbers and the, and the research and the work the same way that like there are certain coaches or there are certain analysts who will be like, Ooh, who needs those advanced metrics? The only one that matters is TWTW, the will to win. You know, Like the kind of people who are like, have you ever had your hand in the dirt? And like, don't think Mina Kimes can talk football because she's a small woman. (laughs) Meanwhile, she is going to break down tape a billion times better than someone who's showing up and thinks that they have a right to be there because they have a penis. Like, those conversations are the ones that I'm still willing to fight for because people are still having them. which seems so antiquated. Yes. So I won't throw them under the me too bus if that's not something that's out there, but I will say that that was my reaction to those initial pressers. And that's why I made fun of it. Cause I was like, what are we doing here? This yeah. is not how you win football games. Yeah. We're biting off kneecaps is not the thing that's going to get you over the top. What are your schemes? And then I said, to be fair, I don't know what he's saying behind the scenes. I don't know how advanced his play calling is. I don't know how smart he is at at finding talent and putting it in the right places. Mm -hmm. I just know that if your public persona is biting off kneecaps and lions taking a dump on the field, you haven't won me over. Maybe you've won over some of the players, but certainly
1: not some of us that are watching kind of snickering. I'm not snickering about it mm-hmm. i thank you thank you for clarifying some of that intersection stuff yeah, yeah. I, I think you knew where i was going with that for sure sometimes sometimes the words uh you know don't add up a little yeah. as, as fast as my brain is yes, moving my
0: brain is always just saying allegedly because i'm so allegedly. Used to having to say it for all of the topics <laughs> from dan snyder to you know anything else in the nfl right now Deshaun watson to whatever allegedly allegedly God how well
1: i don't even that's you know i want to let you go on time so <laughs> i am not even gonna ask you about deshaun watson but maybe right. i'll just like clue into your twitter feed where can people find you um yeah. that's what isn't that that's what she said is your podcast that's what she said is the podcast spain and fits is the national
0: radio show every weeknight 7 to 9 p.m eastern around the horn a couple times a week espnw and then you know some other stuff sports been, or whatever um some, some at bad. sarah spain is twitter Sarah with an H, Spain like the country at Spain two three two three is. Is that because Instagram. of Jordan?
1: Yeah. duh. Oh, duh. But of First course. of all, I, I just I gotta say you are fantastic. Thank Girl you. Cross Thanks for having I'm, me. I'm really, I'm really happy that I finally. I mean, we've we've been Twitter friends for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that we finally connected. Agreed. Uh, also, too, you just like tickled my heartstrings when you said the name Theo Epstein. Oh, I just want to cry. What a dream. Can he is
0: be the he, new commissioner? Is he? Is he going to? I think, be? I think, he's I don't think Manfred is looking is. to give up the game, sure. but if he gets overthrown or otherwise oh decides it's not for him, God. Theo would be a fantastic I, commissioner.
1: I have been championing this forever yeah. because have you seen screwball? The, the, uh, my good friend, Billy Corbin, Ron Couture, I uh, did all the University of Miami. Uh, I have but he's on Levitard all the time. Okay, so yeah, you need to go watch about it. It's it's basically about the biogenesis scandal. I was in South Florida working in local news during this, and I I remember like my I didn't even understand anything was going yeah, on. Yeah. The producers had to like write me the, uh, the story yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um, but basically, it is about uh, the steroid scandal and Alex Rodriguez and them chasing after Alex Rodriguez and right. the person that how corrupt it was paying off people going to tanning salons and guns and this and right. the person that is behind the mlb investigation when they finally step in is rob manfred yeah. and like there was that whole thing when alex rodriguez was on the radio and he was like i didn't do steroids or he stormed stormed into some office and then he apologized like and then at the end of the movie it's like rob manfred got promoted to, yeah. <laughs> to commissioner of baseball after this and it was like they didn't even complete or do this properly. Can we just talk
0: about how like, there's a great sense of pride at my alma mater of Cornell university of how many alums are in the sports world. And, uh, unfortunately the two current leaders are Rob Manfred and, um, why is my brain broken? Gary Bettman. So our two commissioners are like the least liked commissioners in all of sports are the two Cornell grads. But Mark Tatum, you know, deputy commissioner under Adam Silver, Cornell guy, very well liked, did a fine job during the finals when he stepped in to do some of the stuff that Silver was out uh, in protocols for. Uh, So we've got, we've got a hope there.
1: Uh, My Cornell was my first wish to go to college. I thought it was one of the first, on my 18th birthday, my, uh, my dad took me on a tour of Cornell, but it really didn't, I, for me, I wanted the TV, the broadcast journalism stuff. And I just, uh, I, I was like, you know, I didn't apply. So I. I went, the, I went to the party school route, you know, even there though you had- go, you've got the broadcast. That's good. Yep. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah,